I want to talk to you just a little bit about being totally devoted. The greatest weapon against the world, the flesh and the devil, is a total devotion to Jesus Christ. America is not known in our religious systems and denominations as being filled with holy, totally devoted people. You can see what keeps people out of church, and it's not always the flu or, or bronchitis or sickness. Uh, it's, uh, it's a sickness of the mind and the soul. There are people that used to love God, used to serve God, used to help us serve God that don't care about church anymore. They don't care about their brothers and sisters. And if you ask them, they've got some kind of phony excuse because every excuse in light of the cross is phony. Those people down there, that preacher down there, that church, I've heard it for 43 years. When people get cold on God, they're going to blame somebody. They're not going to own up that they're backslidden or backsliding. They just don't own up. They don't make an altar and get right. Because if they get right with God, they're going to get right with you and me. But until they're right with God, they're going to be blaming you and me. I got a big old heart. It was a mushy thing in the email. A big old heart. It said, I love my pastor. And it wasn't even Valentine's Day. And it wasn't from a woman. My wife was glad to hear that. And so was I. It was from Sean. A big red heart like you see on Valentine's Day. And simply said, I love my pastor. Wow, what a blessing just to know that you're loved for who you are and for what you are in Christ. Just to have somebody say it and mean it. I love you. I care about you. And it came at a time when a lot of folks didn't love me. <laughs> Amen. And you need somebody to just simply say it. I know a lot of people feel it. You know, we can have a pastor's appreciation. We all eat and have a good time. And I've got a watch this morning that I got. And it's a nice one. But I'm going to tell you that that email is better than any. This is not a Rolex. This is a Seiko. Amen. Okay, just to clarify. <laughs> Amen. But I'd rather have an I love you in an email than a Seiko watch, a Mercedes-Benz car, uh, a Bentley. Just somebody to say, I love you, sometimes means so very much. Can you say amen? Well, God has said, I love you to you by sending his son. Jesus has said, I love you by dying on the cross. And he wants you to accept that love. And then he wants you to be stimulated to just love him back for loving you. I wanted to grab old Sean and hug him. And I just did, I think. Praise God. Hallelujah. I wanted to love him back. Loving somebody stimulates love. And we love him because he first loved us. Let me read your scripture real quick. How many believe we need a revival of devotion to Christ? Some people are going to church this morning. Like a man that got saved in a full gospel businessman's meeting. He heard the testimony of Colonel Bottomley. Colonel Bottomley was a, a pilot during the Vietnam War. Was shot down. Uh, like McCain was shot down, spent time in the Hanoi Hilton Hotel. Colonel Bottomley was a self-sufficient, self-confident, self-made man. Until he got in a place where only God could help him. And it changed everything. And he spoke, and when he spoke and gave his testimony of coming to Christ as his Savior, a man there that had never accepted Jesus came to the Lord through that testimony. And this self-made man was clearly, he wasn't just saying he saved me, but he was talking about his love that was so undeserved and so unwarranted, and yet God loved him enough. And what had got a hold of his heart was not that he brought him through that experience, but that he loved him enough to die for him on the cross. And he began to just love him back out of full heart of devotion. You know, Paul used the devotion born out of love for God in the, in the Christian community, uh, out of Jew and not Jew, but out of the Greeks and, and the rest of them. Because he said, I want to provoke you as Jews to jealousy. 
because the Gentiles are doing by nature that that is contained in the law. You can't even keep the law, keep failing at it. They're keeping all the tenets of the law simply because they're loving God back for loving them. Their nature has been changed, hallelujah. And now they're filled with God because they're filled with love. The average Pentecostal is filled with God because we say, come tie my bow tie. That's not tongues. That's come tie my bow tie. But some people try to get people to talk in tongues by getting them to start saying things like that. I remember hearing of a preacher that uh, James Robinson told about, and he got a spirit-filled man to pray for him for deliverance, and God did deliver him. He believes in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. But he doesn't believe in teaching people to speak in other tongues because it says the Spirit gives the utterance. Because if the Spirit of God isn't within you, it's sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. You know why? Because there's no love of God in you. Love qualifies your spirituality. Not come tie my bow tie. Amen? So that preacher would come up and say, start saying, come tie my bow tie, come tie my bow tie, come tie my bow tie. That's not how you receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible said that we are to be filled. We're to, we're to comprehend with all saints. You got it up on the website, I think, that scripture. What is the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height? Speaking about fully experiencing and comprehending the love of God. The length of it, the breadth of it, the depth of it, the height of it. Sunday school kids used to sing, it's so high you can't get over it, so wide you can't get around it, so deep you can't get under it, you've got to come in at the dough. Everybody say the dough. Hallelujah. You've got to come in at the dough. And Jesus is the door of the sheepfold. Praise God. But when you come to Him, you're enveloped in the love of God. And you can't go nowhere without His Spirit being there Because you're there because of His great love wherewith He has loved you. David stood and looked out over the Mediterranean. He looked out as far as he could see to where it looked like the the sky met the sea. And he said, where can I go from thy spirit? If I take the wings of 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 a dove and I fly to the utter, far as I can see, the uttermost part of the sea, thou art there. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, if they put me six foot under and cover me up, even there, thy hand shall uphold me. Where can I go that your spirit is not? And it's because of a covenant of love that he established with Abraham. It wasn't just a legal contract to prove that he was faithful to his word. Amen. It was an act of love on God's part. Hallelujah. Why in the world did he make us anyway? I've got a theory, and I believe it's a Bible-based theory. He's got myriads of angels serving him. Thousands upon thousands times ten thousands. So what in the world did he want to make an outfit like us out of the dust for? What in the world did God need with us? Well, if he's love, where does love find its greatest fulfillment? In being loved or in giving? It's in giving. He said angels don't need nothing. They don't get headaches. They don't get backaches. Did you ever get up in the morning? Of course, I'm talking to an older audience. But did you ever get up in the morning and feel like somebody beat you? And you say, who come in and beat me last night? I'm so sore all over. Somebody must have come in and beat on me last night. My back is sore. My knees are sore. My hips are sore. I don't know. You get up in the first few steps, you're kind of wondering, I hope I can make it to the coffee pot. And I hope I can make it to the cupboard to get me, you know, three ibuprofen or whatever I'm going to need to get me going. Caffeine and ibuprofen. (laughs) Come on, Brother Taylor. Give me. I'm going to tell you, he's got joy. The joy of the Lord keeps him going. His wife told me he's in pain every day. When you get 79, this old body's like an old car. It needs, a, you, you, it needs to warm up. In, in fact, I need a jump start first thing in the morning. Amen. 
Don't you? How about C-O-F-F-E-E? Need some coffee, some stimulant. Didn't used to need that. Got up, ready to go without the coffee. Now, get up and drink the coffee, then get ready to go. So we all know about all of those things. God loves you. And God loves me. And he wants us to know it was the prayer of Paul. He said, I want you to know and I want you to comprehend with all saints. I don't want this to be a a few people that get it. I want every child of God to get it. I want you to comprehend what is the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of God that passes understanding. If If you give a nod that you know it and you haven't known it in that dimension of the fullness of it and actually not just having it explained to you but experiencing it this love that he's describing is shed abroad everybody's shed abroad you know sometimes i go by yards and i hear in the drought that we're in right now needing rain promised next week they promised it last week so we'll wait and see best thing you can do this time of year is look out your window not your window, your window. Amen. Look at your window. Amen. And see if it's going about to rain in your neighborhood. You can look at radar if you want to go on TV. That's what they're looking at to see if it's raining or coming. And it may miss you even though it's raining across the street. So some people that can afford the water bill have their big rainbirds. You know, and it's sticking up out of the ground and it's, it's covering a particular zone. And it goes... It's a rainbird. And you know what it's doing? It's, it's that word for shed abroad. It's going to saturate that area that's designated. It's going to absolutely just keep on pouring it on until it saturates that area. And, yeah, you go out and look at your water meter. You can watch it. Ka-ching, 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 ka-ching for the water department. Shed abroad in your hearts. It's one thing to understand it mentally, assimilate it mentally. It's another thing to experience it spiritually. The love of God is shed abroad. See, this is a work of the Holy Ghost that has nothing to do with power. We in Pentecost got power-centered and power-oriented, and we need the power of God. But the power of God, you don't fall in love with the power of God. You fall in love with the person that represented Him and showed us what He's like, and that's Jesus Christ. You love the Father because you understand Him through the Son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The love of God. There are people right now. I I spent three and a half years caregiver to my dad. Who was motivated by fear to serve the Lord his whole life. Who had a complete nervous breakdown when I was 12 years old. Because all he heard about God was that God is ready to judge you. And God is ready to damn your soul. And you better not make a misstep or you're lost forever. And he began to accumulate that fear to the breaking point in his mind until the devil, the accuser of the brethren, had convinced him that he was going to go to hell. And he was a good, godly man. But he was convinced in his mind that he was a lost man and pondering eternity without God. He was in a church meeting, got up and ran out the door and went running down the street. And they had to run and catch him. He had to be Baker acted and put in the hospital for the mentally, just because he, he not only ran down the street, he turned on the hot water at an outdoor faucet at a business that was steaming hot. It was past the home type of hot. And he put his hand under it. I was 12 years old, I remember. He put his hand under it, and he kept his hand under it, even though he felt the heat of it. And he got third-degree burns on his hand, and blisters came up that high. And he was put in the old St. Joseph's Hospital. And they wouldn't let me in at 12 
because I stood outside and he had a bandaged hand and he would wave out the window to his son and I waved back at my daddy. And my daddy at 12 years old, he came home and he came home with that nervous breakdown situation. They wanted to give him shock treatments and my mother said no, no. And I said no mommy, no mommy because see I'd come to the Lord at 12 and I said no mommy, we'll pray. We'll pray. God will help daddy. God will help my daddy. God will help my daddy. Amen. But he came home in a mess, and we had to watch him. And I sat on the back porch of my grandma's house, holding my daddy by the hand at 12 years old and praying for my daddy. He felt that God was angry at him because he didn't believe God to grow him teeth. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He felt like he was committing sin by putting in his dentures. I mean, the devil will torment you and tear your mind up. And he went out and dug a hole and buried his dentures out of the fear of God. And he wouldn't tell nobody where he put them. And I sat on the back porch and prayed for my... My daddy didn't really raise me. I helped my dad from 12 years forward. And then they divorced a little after that, and, and my daddy couldn't be there for me because he still had issues. And when he came to church, he looked perfect and fine, and you know how sweet he was. He was a sweet man. I mean, you could say if anybody's going to heaven, it's him because he's such a sweet guy and a nice guy, and he lived a clean life. But you see, being sweet and nice and living clean is not the same as having blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Hallelujah. Born of His Spirit and washed in His blood. Hallelujah. And I spent the last three and a half years of His life trying to convince Him that He... Yes, it's getting time to, to go home. But you don't have to be afraid of going home. Because you're going home. And finally, finally, it dawned on him. Finally, the fear that had tormented him a lifetime of going to church and hearing what you've heard and are hearing. But you see, you've got to not just know it in your head because your brain is assimilating it. You've got to, you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. Everybody say you've got to believe it to receive it. Anything that God has promised, purchased, or provided, you've got to believe it to receive it. You can't get saved without believing it to receive it. And he had a real problem believing it because his whole life, everything he had heard, had convinced him that he was not good enough to be loved like that by God. And I had to keep pointing him where we were pointed this morning to the cross for that. You can't just go by feelings, even the experience of it by the Holy Spirit. You have to receive the Holy Spirit. And if you don't believe you're worthy, you can't receive the Holy Spirit. Because how can He let you experience the love of God in your heart? And by the way, when things go wrong, let me tell you a voice you're going to hear. It's amazing how clear we can hear the devil and how much static there is when we're trying to get something from God. The devil will speak to you loud and clear, and here's what he will say. When trouble comes to your life, and you prayed and nothing has changed for a while, he'll say, if God really loved you, and he has all power, he knows you believe his power. He knows that's not the supreme issue of your faith. Amen. If he's got all power and he's all love, then why don't he use that power to help you when you're hurting? Now he has sown doubt through fear and he has, he has sabotaged your faith. I was called at 2 o'clock in the morning because a Vietnam vet in the city of Tampa was getting ready to kill himself sitting at a table with a gun on the table. And told his wife, I can't take it no more. He, he, he was raised in a Christian family. He lost his faith. 
in Vietnam. He said, if God is a loving God, he said, I have seen things in active duty, in the infantry, 1st Air, Air Calvary, in Vietnam. He said, if God has all power, how could he be love and let what I've seen happen, happen? So he lost his faith in God. He lost his hope. He lost everything that would help him get through the post-traumatic stress syndrome that was in him. And he was sitting at 2 o'clock in the morning with a gun on the table threatening to take his own life. And his wife called and said, Pastor, can you come? And I went. And I sat down with him. And we sat at that table until daylight. And I felt like I was in an absolute wrestling match. Not with him, but with the devil himself. Who had convinced him of something that it was hard to convince him in the other way. And I said, something happened in the garden that changed what God wanted for mankind. Something occurred. There was a transfer of power in that garden that gave Satan an influence that God never intended him to have and allowed hurt to come into this world because of man's choice to disobey God. And I said a spiritual law was violated. Romans 6.16. That principle occurred in Genesis. In the very beginning. When the serpent came and said. Hath God said. And the moment. They obeyed the serpent instead of obeying God. It allowed spiritual law came in violation. And here's the law. Listen to it. Whoever you yield yourself, your members, servant to obey, his servant you are, whom you obey, whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death. In other words, you make the devil your king. You make the devil your Lord. You make the devil your master. The day that you decide to obey Him instead of God. Him instead of Christ. And you give Him an influence and an authority that God never gave Him. Man's choice to choose the darkness over the light. The devil over God allowed him to become little g. The God of this world. The primary influence in this world. And until we come to Christ and we're born again, you are of your father, the devil. And his works, you will do. And the thief came but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly, Jesus said. I said, it isn't God that has caused the wars, the hunger, the disease. It's man's disobedience to God and it's ongoing until we repent and come to Him as our Savior. And tears begin to come down His cheeks around 6 a.m. And His wife came over to the table, picked the gun up and took it away. He pushed it forward. She came and took it and put it away. And he said, I never, I never, I never saw that. And a lot of people still don't get it. How can God? I've talked to, talked to my son the other day and, and, and to believe God for his healing. And he said, but, but there's so many people more worthy than me. See, here we go again. Here we go. I'm back in that wrestling match with the devil. Amen. That, that is wanting to frustrate and disqualify us from God's love and the blessing of it. You can't have faith if you don't believe you're worthy to receive. Amen. You've got to believe that the throne of grace applies to you. And that mercy is going to flow when you arrive. And grace to help in the time of any need. There are people that when I first got saved and first started preaching, I was hesitant to pray for because I didn't believe they deserved any prayer because their own foolishness and folly got them into the mess they were in. And I thought, how can I pray for you? For heaven's sake, you're, you know, 
How can I believe God for you? You had 18 opportunities, turned them all down, keep choosing sin, light, darkness over light, and now you're in this pickle, you're in this mess, and you want God to come through. But you see, now I can pray. Now that I understand mercy and grace, and this is not overlooking sin, it'll highlight sin. For the grace of God that's appeared to all men, teaching us that denying... Oh, come on. The real purpose of grace is to highlight sin once we're saved and to say, listen, you, this, is, this is not what you're called to be. This is not what you're called to do. You're out of your element if you go in that direction. For the grace of God is teaching us that denying ungodliness, amen, but living righteously and godly in this present evil, wicked world, amen, hallelujah, that we march to the beat of a different drummer, Jesus is our Adonai, not just our Savior. He's our Sovereign and our King. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But he put the gun down. And I followed his life. And he went back to church. And he started living a Christian life. He regained his faith. And I saw another Vietnam vet. The same thing happened to I worked for Tampa Electric for five years. I was bivocational. And when I was out on a line crew, I remember it. We went to a, a restaurant in Plant City, the one that's been there forever. No, it's been there before, Buddy Freddy's, the one right in the middle of town. Uh, there's a little restaurant there. If you blink, you'll go by it. That's where we were having coffee before going out, and it was announced that it was a national day of prayer. And my foreman, he was tough as nails. I told you this before. He cut his thumb wide open, needed stitches. And I, I was on the line crew, and I said, Sir, you, you, I brought him a little first aid kit, and had, you know, I wrapped it up, and the blood came right on through it. I mean, it was split wide open. And I said, You need to go on to the doctor and get some stitches in that thing. Ah, ah it'll be all right. And I wrapped it up, put a Band-Aid on that, and a Band-Aid on that Band-Aid, and wrapped it up and tied a knot in it. And he's got a big old thumb, bloody thumb with a knot tied in it, and just going around like nothing happened. I have to get up there and get this done. Let's go over here and take care of that. And it's getting dirty out there because he's helping with stuff. And I'm thinking, you're getting a dirty dirt now on top of everything else, and that old bloody gauze and 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 and, and I thought, you're going to get an infection. You need to go to... <laughs> He didn't do nothing. He's so mean to germs. <laughs> I think the germs just said, Lord have mercy. Oh, I don't even want to get involved with this guy. <laughs> it's pretty bad when the germs don't even want to get on you. Here's a tough guy. Curse up a storm, but something had got a hold of his heart. I'd been on that crew for about three months. And it was a national day of prayer. And he'd come up to me in that restaurant. And we were getting ready to leave and go out to, between Mulberry and Plant City to take care of some wire. And he said, Bob, I know you're a Christian. It's a national day of prayer. He said, I ain't been a praying man, but... I just feel like this nation needs some help. That was before the Trump stickers and all that came out. And <laughs> we thought Trump was going to do it. I guess we'd still need to pray, you reckon? Maybe, maybe even more. Hey Amen. If you'll just quit tweeting. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Maybe the press would let him alone if they couldn't find out what he's thinking. Anyway. He said, National Day of Prayer, and I'm not a praying man. But when we get out the job today, I think we ought to take a minute and pray. When we get out on the job, right by Highway 60, 8 o'clock in the morning with all the traffic. We got out on the job. We have what they call a tailboard where we get our instructions, five-man crew. But we had a man from the communications department going to hang his wire with our wire, just under our wire, come to work with us from the Tampa yard. So we're out there by the road. We all get out there. He said, I ain't a praying man. He kept saying, I'm not a praying man. But God had stimulated him. 
to recognize a higher power and to believe that we need God's help. And he said, he said, this nation, I believe, needs help. If you don't want to participate in this, then you just go on over there by the truck. If you want to participate, I was going to lead us in prayer. Those five men took their hats off and held them to their chest. And I stood in the middle of that circle with my foreman and the man from communications department. And we prayed unto a heavenly father for grace for this country and help for our families and help for our lives and protection while we're out there doing this dangerous kind of work. And we said, Amen. I didn't know who stayed and who left until I looked up. But nobody had left, and the man from Tampa had joined us. We all prayed together by the road in public, 8 o'clock in the morning by Highway 60. And I thought, look at him, look at him. Hallelujah. That's southern for wow. (laughs) Can you say, man, look what the Lord has wrought. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. And you know what? Everybody went back to start their work except the communications guy. He said, listen. He said, my job in Vietnam. He was another veteran. He said, my job in Vietnam was to load body bags onto the transport. And I handled so many body bags. I said, how could a loving God allow this kind of hurt This kind of hate and this kind of hurt occur if he has the power. But he said something spoke to my heart while we were praying today. And he said, I I lost my faith as a combat veteran in Vietnam. But he said, today, my faith is returning. I can feel it. And he said, he said, I live in Tampa. I don't know where you preach, but he said, there's a church near me and I'm going to church. First time I've been back to church since I've been home from Vietnam. He said, I'm going back to church Sunday morning. You see, God will restore. God will help people recover if people understand it's not God's will that's being done on earth. Amen. It's not what God is directing. It's not what God is allowing. It's what the devil was allowed to do when man chose the darkness over the light and still does. And when people quit blaming God, they can trust in God and they can believe God and they can receive the help they need and the grace they need from God. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He that feareth is not perfected in love, for fear hath torment, but perfect love casteth out all fear. Hallelujah. And we love Him. Because he first loved us. My pastor, when I was healed of leukemia, he was my pastor. Brother Joe Woodward, Tampa Revival Center, downtown Tampa. Seven day a week services. Filled up seven days a week. We got one day a week and can't hardly find people to come. Churches have a membership of 1,000. They have people coming of about 350 out of the 1,000. The others show up on Easter and Christmas and send in some tithe to stay a member in case they need a wedding or a funeral in between. Seriously, that's how it's working. There's a Pentecostal church in Lakeland, 700 people on Sunday morning. 70 on Wednesday night Bible study. No spiritual hunger. No, we find that it's it's across the board. No devotion, Amen. no devotion. But God is drawing, God is calling, the Holy Spirit is working. Just like that mother hen analogy of Jesus, how many times would I have taken you under my wing? As a mother hen does her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. There's people right now need faith to be healed. They need faith to receive. Amen. But they take every opportunity to get out of 
under God's house. They need this message that you're hearing right here and right now. Because fear is the dominant force in their life, not faith. Because if they had faith, they wouldn't stay depressed. I'm not saying you won't get depressed. I'm saying you will not stay depressed. You'll get like David. Hallelujah. He said, Soul, why art thou disquieted within me? Look thou unto God, for he shall yet be the health of thy countenance. I will not receive this. I will not allow this influence. I know my my God loves me and I know there's hope for me and I will not let my own feelings convince me otherwise. The first time I read this psalm, I thought he was looking for a helper, but how many know you can't always find help when you need it? You helped my wife the other day. I told her what you said. You said I miss my girl. She's my girl. My wife said, that does me more good than antibiotics or anything else. Just for somebody to say, I still love Sister Venable. When she's up, when she's down, I still love the woman. Amen. So I want you to know you blessed her. And I want you to know you blessed me. And I want you to know if y'all hug on me, you'll be blessing me. Give me love. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, Matthew. It helps when somebody loves you and don't want and they're not frisking you, can you say amen? They hug you and they're not frisking you. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Jesus loves me. This I know. Not just because the Bible tells me so, but because the cross tells me so. And because the Holy Spirit tells me so. Can you say, man, the love of God is spread abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit so that we can love one another with the love of the Lord, not with this phony religious bland. That'll quit you like that and drop you like a hot potato if you offend somebody. I purchased something the other day and I was thinking about so many people with a chip on their shoulder. You know, they come in with a chip on their shoulder. Any little infraction, going to knock it off. You know, a chip on your shoulder means there's wood a little farther up. Can you say amen? I went in to purchase something the other day, and I'm not used to which card has the chip and which doesn't, and I've got two cards. And one of them, my wife told me, don't use that one. Do not use that one. Don't use this one. I don't know why. I guess it's maxed out. I don't know. But don't use it. I don't question <laughs> anyway, I pulled out a card and the lady said, Do you have the chip? I said, Yes, but it's not on my shoulder. She said, Well, I know that's what she said. Oh my, I got, I got one of those. There he is. My, my son likes a firehouse sub, he likes firehouse subs. And I went in, ordered his firehouse sub, and they're getting to know me there and, and said, then who, whose name shall I say this is for? Because they call your name when they have it fixed. And I said, Bob. But I said, you can spell it backwards to separate me from all the other Bobs. <laughs> and she smiled and looked over her glasses at me. <laughs> like, Here, here's another one. You know, here's another one. <laughs> <laughs> and they get to know you there after a while. So I walked in the other day because he'd ordered him. And he loves that sub. It's a big old sub. It's shredded smoked turkey and it's warmed and it's got cheddar cheese and it's got ranch dressing and lettuce and tomato. Oh, my Lord. Amen. It's what the firemen eat, they say. I come in and she said, Welcome to Firehouse Subs, Backward Bob. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm distinguished, right? I have been distinguished from all the other Bobs that come in. I'm backward Bob. I don't know where to take that as a blessing or say, there's that guy, there's something a little, <laughs> there's something, <laughs> you know, his elevator goes up, but it don't go to the top floor anymore. Can you say amen? Porch lights on, but I don't think anybody's home. Amen. <laughs> amen. Uh, but God is good. And I want people to know He's a good God. And a gracious God. And the trouble in this world is not from Him. Every good and perfect gift comes down 
from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness. You can count on Him. You can depend on Him. Whatever He was, He is, and He always will be. Can you say, man, not even a shadow of turning in Him? In Him, there He is light, and in Him, there is no darkness at all. It's pure light, Shekinah glory. If He was ever Jehovah Rapha, if He was ever identified as a great physician, He's the doctor today. Jesus Christ is what? The same. Yesterday. Today, and He will be forever. He's the Lord God of Israel, and He changes not. He's not the one that puts disease on you. I stayed up for an hour. It was 10 o'clock. I returned a call that was a, can I say butt dial? We get calls from Sean or from his posterior quite, quite often. He sits on his iPhone and it dials one of his numbers that is programmed in. And your phone rings and, and his bottom says, I didn't really call you. He sat on me. No, it didn't. It, that's not the, it don't leave a message. Thank, thank the Lord. <laughs> uh, if there, we maybe, we don't. <laughs> but it happens to people. And I got this call, and, and it wasn't supposed to call me at 10 o'clock at night. And it called, and I answered my phone, and, and it was a lady that attended our church way back, 25 years ago. And she's up in years now, like, like the rest of us, when you add 25 to whatever it was then. But she's still way younger than, than we are. And she has a disease that is supposed to be progressive and debilitating and finally lead to death. It's a slowly debilitating degenerative disease. And she went for her pastor to pray for her. And he said, I believe that God has given, God, listen to me, that God has given you this disease to teach you something. And what you need to do is ask God, not for healing, but what are you trying to teach me? Now, friend of mine, when you, when you blame devastating diseases... On the great physician. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician? You know what Gilead was known for? Healing bombs. Things that were made out of herbs to bring healing when you were cut or had blood poisoning. Gilead was known. It was like, is there no, is there no physicians in St. Joseph's Hospital? Is there no doctors in Listen, it's so, it's so crazy. God said it's crazy. Is there no bomb in Gilead? You know there's healing. You know there's help there. They live to help heal people. Listen, I can heal your backsliding. I can heal your diseases. I can heal your broken heart. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. And I will put none of the diseases that have been put on Egypt on thee. Because thou art a holy people unto me. Hallelujah. You're not like the rest of the world. You don't fit into the statistics. You have a God in heaven that never changes. Well, I feel Him here today. And I said, ma'am, the last thing I want is to get between you and your pastor. The last thing I want is to try to get you feeling bad at your pastor but let me tell you what I think is going on in many churches not necessarily yours you'll have to decide that I believe that because we have prayed for so many people and saw so little because so many people don't have the faith to receive that we have quit expecting healing and tried to explain away and now we've attributed to God what the devil is doing and left people subject to the enemy she said brother venable i sat under your teaching many years ago and i know that's not what you taught uh, and see this this call wasn't supposed to happen i said listen i'm on the phone with you not by accident but by divine appointment and i said let me just tell you this 
whatever you've got, you live in a faulty body that sin has touched or you would never get sick or die right on it. You wouldn't have to go to heaven to have immortality. Man had it before the fall. God's design, death wasn't part of the plan. Can you say man? We live in a fallen world. I said, but we have a faithful father who said, call upon me in the time of trouble. Don't attribute the trouble to me. Look to me for deliverance. Look to me for help. Look to me for healing. There's a time when people are going to pray for me and it ain't going to work because it's time for me to go home. I'm going to shed my skin. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Praise God. My spirit's going to leave this world. But until that time, until that time, pray for me. Because God will respond. God will come through. Hallelujah. God is still on the throne. And Jesus Christ is still the same. If thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. I will. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 I said, ma'am. I said, so many people have not had the faith to receive healing. We've seen so many prayers unanswered that pastors are coming up with some alternative to pray in a prayer of faith. So we can, we, we can try to explain why that you're in the condition that you're in. And I said, dear sister, get in the Word of God. And don't let nobody put no words in God's mouth or Christ's mouth. Me or anybody else. Just open your Bible. Amen. Don't even just listen to me. Just get in the Word of God. And more importantly, let the Word of God get down inside. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Can you say amen? And then make a decision to let God be true. And every man become the liar. If it contradicts what God has said. Can't we preach it just like He said it? Can't we read it just like it's written? Can you say man? Do we have to explain away? That's why the cessation movement is here. There's a conviction on churches and pastors and preachers that can't pray the prayer of faith. Refuse to do it. My son said, what if God don't want to heal me? I said, son, what if He does? You'll never know unless you believe Him. Amen. You're already saying He don't want to. And I said, if, if what you've got runs its course, the devil will kill you. It won't be God that called you home. You know, we get real churchy, don't we? We talk that church talk when we try to get theologically accurate. It's like a little boy that pastor came home to dinner. Bomb of Gilead, Jeremiah eight twenty two. Thank God for that. Thank you for that. Two of them. And he left forty six and eleven. Listen carefully. Boy goes home. With his mama and his daddy. He's anxious to get home. They're at grandpa's house. Because the pastor's coming home to eat dinner with them. Back when dinner was 12 o'clock. Instead of 6 o'clock. No dinner wasn't lunch. This is better than lunch. You ever been to a country place? We went back to the old place back in Kentucky. Amen. They didn't have running water. They went down to a spring to get water. They kept their butter down there at that spring, called it the dairy, in a jar, and it kept it cool. They didn't have refrigeration. And I thought, boy, they ask us to eat with them. What are they going to have? Everything. <laughs> they got ham from the smokehouse where they smoked that ham. They had corn, and they had tomatoes, and they had potatoes, and they had souffles, and they had gravy, and they had, oh, Lord. I sat down to a table better than Buddy Freddy's smorgasbord thing ate country cooking so he's coming home for dinner but the little boy the little boy had been told by his granddaddy rats were eating the grain in the barn he said I'll give you 25 cents for every rat that you kill and the little boy couldn't wait to get home from church and start getting him some ka-ching ka-ching amen 
And so he grabbed him a two-by-four when he jumped out of the car, didn't even change his clothes, and ran to the barn. Fifteen minutes, yeah, big rats, two-by-four. Rats get big if they're eating grain. They, yeah, the cat looks at him and says, oh, no, no. This is not Tom and Jerry. This is Tom and Bubba. Can you say? <laughs> and you don't mess with Big Bubba. Can you say? <laughs> you skin that cat. Anyway, cat named Bubba. Just remember that. If you didn't get nothing else, you heard about a cat named Bubba. What did our preacher preach on? Cat named Bubba. Can you say? <laughs> that big old cat. He come in. Listen how religious we get. We've got to get rid of that religious talk and get down into confessing truth. Can you say man? Confessing truth. Confessing a truth that God can confirm because He confirms His Word. He watches over His Word to perform it. And His Word in my mouth is something He's watching over. He's listening for and He's listening to. Can you say man? Hallelujah. But uh, you know how this works. How we get all religiously, uh, you know, trying to, to just be religious people. So anyway, pastor gets there 15 minutes later. He comes in, sits down in the living room. It's a shotgun house. You used to call it a shotgun shack where everything's just straight in a rectangle. You can see the kitchen from the living room and see out the back porch from the, from the living room. And if you can see out the, the front porch from the kitchen, and it's just a straight-through thing. Mom's in there cooking. Pastor's sitting on the couch getting ready to eat dinner. And the little boy comes running in. said, Mama! 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 Doesn't even see the pastor sitting there. Mama! 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 There was a big old rat in the barn. And I cornered him, Mama. I cornered him. And I grabbed my two by four. And I hit him. And I hit him. And I beat him until I beat his brains out. He saw the pastor out of the corner of his eye. And said, and then the Lord called him home. That's religious language. No matter what kills somebody, God called them home. When a child is killed, when a child is destroyed, what, what do they say? What do they say? God is not calling you home, Sean. Come on back in. What do, what do we say? Gathering flowers. For the master's bouquet. I'm killing kids because I want flowers in my bouquet. He's not a killer. You know what Satan's name is? Apollyon. Apollyon. The destroyer. The thief came. But to steal, kill, and destroy Apollyon. But I have come. I've come to counteract him. I've come to contradict him. I've come to heal those that he made sick. I've come to help those that he imprisoned. I come to set free those that he has bound. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus said. For he hath anointed me to set the captive free. Hallelujah. I didn't send that to you. Amen. It didn't come from me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I believe it's time we quit saying God called somebody home that the devil killed. As if God is allowing all of this when He could do something about it. When man keeps on choosing light over darkness. Can you imagine how this world would change if everybody in it came to Christ and put the devil out of business? There are many Christians, push come to shove, choose the dark over the light. So bad seed all week long. Go to church on Sunday to pray for a crop failure. Let me tell you something about sowing and reaping. You can't pray away spiritual law. You can't say away spiritual law. You can't deny it and it will go away. God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What's happening in my life right now is a result of things that I have sown good and bad. And what's happening in yours is the same. It's not what God is doing. 
It's what you are doing, old hoss. I don't understand why I don't have any friends. Have you sown any friendship to anybody? Are you living in your own selfish self? He would have friends that shows himself friendly. When my dad was alive, I said, you cook him a coconut cream pie, and he'll be your friend forever. Amen. You too, coconut cream. You don't want no birthday cake. You want coconut cream pie and keep them candles off of it. Can you say amen? Nobody loves me. Who have you hugged lately? Amen? Sowing. Reaping. We sowed kindness to a heart. Back when Hardy's had the fried chicken and the big old frozen custards, we used to sow kindness. They'd say, I'm sorry for the wait, sir. And we'd say, it's okay. It's all right. We just sowed patience and kindness and respect for the people serving us. And they used to, they used to, when I'd go back, we'd get our ice cream there. We'd walk the track and then go get ice cream and kill all the calories that we just, but we, we felt better because we said we walked three miles. We deserve that ice cream. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But they would put it so high trying to bless us that we had to tell them, don't pile it so high because it kept falling over. <laughs> I'd take it in the wind and it would go. <laughs> <laughs> you, had to, you had to start <laughs> trying to get it down to where it didn't fall over. Went through an Arby's window until the guy said, do you have a coupon? You get a sandwich free with that sandwich if you have a coupon. We were kind to him, always patient. Sorry, sir, we're out of this. Oh, it's okay. We'll take that. All right. Okay. Amen. Then he said, do you have a coupon? And I said, no, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think to clip anything. I said, that's all right. You got it anyway. Favor. God is not just giving you favor without you being kind. He's giving you favor because you are kind to somebody. And you're receiving it back in kind. Can you say amen? He that sows the wind on the negative side. So what? Are you going to re- reap a breeze? Now you're going to weep the whirlwind. Because it's always multiplied. But turn it to the good side. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. And running over. Men. Oh my. God will move on people. To help you. To bless you. He will. He will. I got through preaching at the old holy church of God. As we get ready to close. And I got ready to leave. And I was leaving, I said, I said, we're getting ready to lock up. And a guy was walking out the door, and he heard me preach on faith. He turned right around, and he walked right back up. And he says, you mean you locked your doors? I said, yes. I said, we're in Sulphur Springs. I said, we lock our doors. He said, if you... You just preached on faith. Why don't you just leave the door unlocked and trust God? I said, because we know to lock our door. That would be foolish. It's not a lack of faith. It's wisdom. I said, oh, oh, I stop at stop sign. Not just because it's the law, because I don't want to get T-boned. Running through it. Yeah, man of faith. That doesn't just... Go blindly through an intersection. Oh, how I love Jesus. No, that's not faith. That's presumption. No, you know what's going to happen? And guess what? Not only am I going to be in the hospital getting T-boned, I'm charged with the accident. And my insurance goes through the roof because it took $50,000 to get me back on my feet. Full of titanium. If I live through it. And I got something against my driver's license. On top of that. Wow. People get crazy. 
That's why I'm telling you, don't be crazy. Get in the Word of God. Don't let nobody tell you any different. God watches over His Word to perform it. Hath He not said it and will He not do it? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Three women. Got to tell you this. We got to quit. People get... Have you met these spiritual people that, that never rightfully divide? They never sit in a Bible class. They only go by unctions and feelings and visions and dreams. And they might have them. I'm not saying they don't, but I'm saying they won't act crazy if they had them from God. It don't make you crazy. People might think you're crazy acting on the Word, but it won't make you crazy. But you can, you can make the Bible say about anything you want. One guy wouldn't fast or pray and seek God. He just wanted an answer. So he said, Lord, speak to me today. He opened his Bible to where Judas had betrayed Jesus. He didn't know that. He just opened it up to the New Testament, put his finger down, and looked where it landed. And, and Judas went out and hung himself. And, and he, he pondered it. He pondered it. He flipped the pages over where Jesus, and it happened to land where he flipped it, where Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet. He didn't know where it landed. So the first thing he got from the word was, and Judas went out and hung himself. And he pondering that while he put his finger down again and said, go and do thou likewise. <laughs> Friend of mine, you can't get your, you can't, you can't get your, come on, I'm serious. You can't get your leadings like that. That's not how you do it. That's not how it's done. The Lord didn't call that baby home sin brought sickness Satan is the afflictor he's the destroyer when he's put in that pit chained up for a thousand years whoa what a change is going to occur on this planet can you say man the lamb and the lion are going to lay down and have a snug they're going to snuggle together and a child is going to play at the hole of a poisonous asp. Can you say, man? And there's not going to be any hurt or harm in my holy mountain. And people are going to live long lives because when he's not around to do it, then there's going to be a wonderful place called planet Earth. Can you say, man? Listen to me carefully. We need to get God in the right perspective. We need to get in a Bible study that tells us what God is. We need to see Jesus because when you really see Jesus, you've seen the Father. Can you say, man? So quit separating a, a loving Jesus from a hard-hearted God that is wanting to hurt you somehow. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Jesus is what God would be if he became a man because Jesus is what God was when he became a man. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Woo! Will you stand to your feet? God is on the throne. God wants to help you. God wants to heal you. And I'm fighting to get believers to believe. I, I am fighting, literally, Brother Taylor, to get believers to believe. And now at the end of the service, I said we'd receive our offering. So during this song, would you please help us today? Because we're the faithful few, and it takes all of us to take care of everything. And, and everything is taken care of because we're faithful. Just a few faithful has given me the courage to go forward and not look back and to go on. God told me when I was deeply discouraged, don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. And I said, Lord, what a blessing. I'm a blessed preacher today. There's some faithful people here. Praise God. And we love you and we thank you for it. Hallelujah. 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 This is a mighty day that we're living in, the last of the last days. Glory to God. Glory to God. And when people begin to love God out of a wholehearted devotion, the first love will bring the first works. And the first works will bring a Holy Ghost revival. I said the first works will bring, open the door for a Holy Ghost revival. And the first works is when we go back to the cross and we rededicate our heart and our life wholly to God. Doug's name online is Dulos. 
It is the word that is used for servant, but it's translated in the Greek far stronger than just a servant. You almost see a, a guy, in, you know, in the old economy that's, uh, that's got serving. And anybody ever see Downton Abbey? You didn't see that on Channel 3? Didn't miss anything anyway. Moving right along. But a servant is someone who serves you. It may be like a, but the, but the word is bond slave. A bond slave. Someone that is absolutely committed to their master, not because their master owns them, but because the master owns their heart. In the old covenant, do you know why people, every seven years they had to let every bond, you know what a bond slave is? It's what we are when we're in debt up to our ears. And the finance company owns everything that we got and threatens to take it if we default. It brings slavery. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And uh, many of us have uh, been ensnared. But listen to me carefully. Every seven years is called the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. And when Jesus said he came to set the captive free and to dis- and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, a reference Bible will take you back to the year of Jubilee when all the bond slaves that owed debts and had to work it out, their debt was forgiven and they were set free and given a blessing to start their life with in freedom. Isn't that good to know? Amen. Hallelujah. But if a master was so good and so kind and so loving and so generous to that person that owed them that debt and was working it out. When they got their freedom and the debt was settled, they decided, where could I go and work for anybody that would be sweeter than my master, kinder than my master, more generous than my master? And they did something kind of radical. They would go to the doorpost of the house. They would take like a very thin nail, and they would put it through their ear to the doorpost and then pull it back out. And you know what that meant? It hurt. That's right. I saw Sister Pat say, it hurt. That's what that meant. It did hurt just for a moment. Just for a moment. But you know what they were saying? I, not because I owe a debt anymore. Not because the law requires it anymore. But because my master is so good. I don't want to leave his house. And I want to serve him for the rest of my life. Because I love him and respect him that much. And that's what God is looking for. Not because the law requires it. And not because your sin debt has to be earned. But because it's been paid in full by his suffering. I want to serve Jesus with a full heart of devotion for the rest of my life. Can you say amen? Somebody give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to say this under a prophetic anointing. The next revival that is coming to America will not be based on miracles. Every one of them fizzled. Every one of them fizzled. You can't show me one that kept on going. They fizzled out. And most of them quickly. But when we begin to serve God because of what Jesus did on the cross with everything we are and everything we have. That revival will continue until Jesus comes. There will be signs, wonders, and miracles. But that's not what will drive the revival. The revival will be driven by Jesus and Him crucified. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And, and we are going to go forth in a heart full of ardent love and passionate commitment to Christ and people are going to listen to what we have to say and they're going to want to know a God as great and good as this hallelujah let's give him praise in this song today are you glad he came to church this morning hallelujah did you hear anything do you think will help you today